Get ready to innovate and organize your workspace with Metro. As the industry leader in storage and distribution systems, Metro is here to transform and organize your kitchen. With their premium solutions, you'll experience the Metro difference. Metro's sturdy and versatile shelving units, workstations, holding cabinets, and utility carts are designed to streamline operations and maximize your productivity. Don't settle for imitators. Metro products last longer and offer unparalleled quality and durability. Plus, the many customization options ensure that your space is tailored to your unique needs. Hey, we use them here at Walk & Talk. Say goodbye to chaos and hello to order with Metro Shelving. Visit their website or contact them today to start designing your perfect space. Metro Shelving, your partner in organization and efficiency. Hello, food fam. This is the Walk and Talk podcast, where you will find the perfect blend of food, fun, and cooking knowledge. I'm your host, Carl Fiadini. Welcome to the number one food podcast in the country. We're podcasting on site at Ibis Images Studios, where food photography comes alive, and I get to eat it. Oh my! And did I eat it today? Oh my goodness! First things first. Uh, we've been cooking up some nostalgic food favorites for the last few weeks. Um, Jeff and I we polled the audience about featuring the glorious Monte Cristo sandwich. Elevated, of course. It's it's got a it's a Jefferson way of doing things. Um, it, it was a resounding, mostly. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, there were a few naysayers, but we don't listen to such foolery. It's a classic Sammy, and we're here for it. Um, on the menu today, it's all about the pork, baby. Uh, sandwiches, the pot stickers. Uh, we're going to hog heaven, okay? That, that's basically what's going on today. And I can't wait to get into this Monte Cristo, the full Monte. Oh, yeah, it's the full Monte. Um, thank you, Peninsula Food Service, for supplying the proteins for today's production. Chefs in the central Florida area, Peninsula is the largest distributor of Creekstone Farms beef in the southeast United States. They're complete with a fully staffed butcher shop to help you solve your kitchen in in, uh, consistencies. Uh, Check out their dry age program as well. Uh, It's amazing. Our guest this week is Ron, uh, the, the Rhonda Findley, author, small business owner, restaurateur, and food stylist. You've you've heard of her. I know you have. Uh, Season 7 of the Emmy-winning Netflix show Queer Eye. Rhonda is on deck. Jefferson, baby. Uh, Pop that clutch, slam into that pre-shift, and get into that dish dish explanation. Let's let's go, man. Let's rock and roll. Real deep. Like deep. Like I almost fell asleep on the couch. (laughs) I mean, I I am... Food coma. Oh, like it's real. Listen, when people say, yeah, food coma, you got the sweats. No, no, no. It's real. I just experienced it. I was on the couch, like I'm like John. I need I need some of that. Uh, I need some of that espresso. I need some coffee, man. He didn't do any cafe con leche. I was like, you know what? You're fired. Um, <laughs> you, no, you, you needed something to go straight into the veins, <sighs> man. Yeah. Well, I mean the uh, the pick me up. I did. I took what was left in the pot and I kind of just dripped into my eyeballs. It was uh, that's what I needed. All right, Jeff, please talk. Go. Yeah. So the challenge, I definitely wanted to accept that one to make something that was totally different. I mean, we put, we did a poll. It was over a hundred different comments between the social media outlets uh, that went around. Um, so it was pretty spectacular to see that, uh, especially the engagement. So thanks everybody that does that and sees what we're doing because 
guess what? There's going to be so much more to come too as well. I actually threw a little side uh, blind side at you guys with that sloppy Joe. We also called it sloppy Wilbur. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, it's, it's pork, it's pig, it's, it's Wilbur. Uh, we're yeah. talking Charlotte's web and yeah, it was a sloppy and it was delicious. Yeah. So what's really great about that going back, my dad loved anything with brown sugar, yellow mustard, wished to share. It was one of his things he would always go to is having sloppy Joe's. Uh, so it was kind of an honor to sit there and try to do something and make something up that was a little bit more elevated. And I didn't want to just do any mundane. So Toastone Cups, I just love the vessel. You can do so much with it. Um, you know, Silent John over here, was he's taking the rest of it. There was a court. Um, he's going to have some good dinner <clears throat> coming up, definitely. Then we did um, two versions of the Monte Cristo. The one I did was a spring roll, more of an appetizer. Uh, wanted to showcase how you can do it across different meal periods or different meal plans. So appetizer, entree. So, or sandwich. And then we did the pork loin. The pork loin, I wanted to do it salt and boca. I know some guys or some restaurants out there don't do veal, so they do pork as a substitute. Um, it was fantastic. It's somebody's dinner tonight, not mine. Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, he's got, he's got the, uh, the sloppy Wilbur. Uh, he's got the sloppy yeah. Joe's, man. Yeah. Uh, well, you also have like a quarter piece left of the Monte Cristo because I, I wasn't going to have the full quarter. <sighs> So. I mean, you saw I had to unbuckle my pants when I sat, <laughs> when I sat yeah. here at the at the mic. Yeah, and it was it was great to see like what can I do to elevate it. And there's so many things I was going through. Um, one of my buddies, who's a corporate chef over on Pillsbury, he did he posted one of the things that they did. I didn't even realize it that the Monte Cristo is that you know uh, popular of a remix. Another friend of mine, Jordan, uh, out in San Francisco showcased it in a donut i thought that was absolutely incredible with arugula and then prosciutto de parma or a biracal ham and then i was like okay what am i going to do because there's guys already doing it this way i got to do something that's completely different i used to do a creme brulee battered french toast and i said okay um took some smoked maple syrup some angel's envy uh bourbon added that to the creme anglaise and then dredged that in after drying out some great pieces of thick challah bread and uh, let it dry out to let it soak up as we were shooting. And then I layered in some Spanish style or Cuban style pork, uh, bur- bourbon ham that I smoked. Uh, let's see what else we had. Um, honey maple turkey. And then I got uh, a carabudo prosciutto, which is the equivalent to what would be Wagyu. It's Berkshire, but they do it in the style of Karabuta in Japan. Same kind of thing they do with Wagyu beef in Japan. They do with the pig, the Berkshire. It has so much flat fat into it. It's got great flavor to it. Uh, so that elevated it. But here's where it really got uh, crazy. The raspberry jam had a little bit of chipotle infused in it. And then I creme brulee or brulee the top of the bread. Oh, my God. And Carl can go ahead and testify about the crunch and the everything else that went about it. And it was it, it was everything you thought it would be by looking at that picture, the photo that John took. That, oh, he, yeah. that he, I mean, first of all, it was like five or six inches. You know, it's it was a huge, huge, thick ass sandwich. Yeah. Um, and you know that 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 um, torched you know creme brulee top on the bread. And then you get into the the whole thing, the cheat, everything just worked perfectly. And um, I think you did it proud. I, I, honestly, I would want to see, 
I would want to see that on somebody's menu, just the way that was. Not even even the uh, spring rolls. You'd said you would want to see on a menu too. Yeah, I don't want to sleep on those those spring rolls, man. Those are really good. In fact, I um, uh, I don't want to say one's better or worse than the other. They're very different. Um, but I the way that the the see I, I could see eating spring those spring rolls on a regular base. I can I, I can <laughs> I can sandwiches like once a year. <laughs> this you you know I mean seriously like you. You can't, um, you have to share that with like six or seven other people. Well, Silent John was funny because he even mentioned about the Sloppy Joe was, or sorry, Sloppy Wilbur was his go-to, but he was like, and he's, just so everyone knows, he doesn't really like cheese that much. He likes mozzarella cheese and some other like neutral cheeses. He, he took a bite of it. His response was like, I, I, even with the cheese, I like this. Yeah. I mean, listen, so I told you, I mentioned it somewhere along the way that, uh, you know, I'm a Bennigan's alumni, right? So I've had my share of the actual Bennigan's Monte Cristo, which is a classic. Um, and it, it, it really matched better. I mean, really, um, I, when I posted on my socials about this, everybody kind of, Everybody crept up from, you know, 25 years ago, like, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Hell yeah. F yeah. Let's do it. You know, yeah, the whole, exactly. it was a whole thing. In fact, um, you know what? Uh, shout out to Elizabeth Ferris, Christian Hummel, uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmer. You got uh, Ronnie, my boy out in Texas. Um, you know, what else is on here? There was, what did I see there? Shannon Steiger. Like, these are all people I worked with. Bill Wartell. These are all great people that we all work together and have those like stories from, you know, way back when from waiting the movie <laughs> that was about as realistic as and Bennigan's uh, as you can possibly get as Bennigan's. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. it. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but yes, it's all true. It's all you true. know, it's funny. Cause when we, when I posted Rod Smith, who's one of the um, founding fathers of the chapter to the ACF, the American colony Federation for Palm beach, he was the one that he goes, you didn't challenge yourself enough. I don't know if you saw that one and I, I, did. I, I wanted to make sure. And he's, he's right. I mean, there's, there's a level that you have to go to and I hope I did it proud when he sees these. I mean, cause John captures just an amazing artistry of his photography. Is yeah. One of the people that left before uh, we're, we're going to bring Rhonda in a second, but before, right before that, there was somebody uh, on your soul that sets up and I was like, you know, I gave him the big oh, know, boo. boo boo. Yeah. That was like, Rod. Okay. Yeah. yeah like, that was know, Rod. Take a, take because a, they, they, relax, here's but. the thing there. Those, the, they have, they did challenges. I remember back in the day, they did a one pot challenge and they, you'd literally have a, a quick fire challenge at meetings. So the, they would do their work and whatever the meeting was. And then you'd have a quick fire. There was like six, seven, you know, chefs and students going at it that was, that's fun. When you get to that level that you can take something and, you know, not saying to do the chop, but where do you think chop came from? Right. Yeah, it's kind of like the same story as a quick fire going. I don't know if anyone else has ever done that for a job. I've known I've done that for several. I worked for a very famous chef and I literally had to go into the kitchen. I had two hours to prepare a three course meal and it was carte blanche, whatever you wanted to do. See, that's to me, that would be fun. <sighs> I mean, stressful. Yeah, I get it. But it's like walking into that house. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> house. <laughs> right. Carrying your own lamb rack. <laughs> we, we brought the uh, lamb rack here. That's, we're going to cook for you, you guys. Do you mind if I What cook? did you say your name was? <laughs> like, <laughs> whose house is this? Whose house? Where are we? Okay. So, um, all right. So today, uh, when we bring Rhonda on, I mean, she's a food stylist. Um, very excited. Like she's, she's worked with some big names. I'm going to let her break the, you know, who she's with and, and all that good stuff. Um, but I, I feel like this is, uh, I feel like John, John this is going to be like a fun for John. 
I, I even said John might even speak today. He might. He might say more than one syllable at a time or whatever. All right. Rhonda, you are on the program. Thank you for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's so exciting to uh, be with chefs and restaurant former restaurateurs and food lovers because that's my language. That's my love language, man. And the Monte Cristo, like when you got to the part where you talked about Bennigan's, like I my my food memories of the Monte Cristo war, you know, going with my parents and like you could order anything you wanted, you know, sort of small town like our that was our like dining thing, you know, big deal to go to Bennigan's and I got to order the Monte Cristo with a powdered sugar. And, you know, I just, it just brought back memories. And, um, that's what food does. It tells a story, uh, a story of our past and, um, you know, where we're at in our lives and the making memories with people that we love or people that we respect. You know, Rhonda, so we're going to get into some questions with you in a second, but before we do, um, you know, go ahead and give like the, the airplane view, the 32nd view of, you know, who you are, what you're doing and where you came from. Thank you for asking. I, um, you know, I, I got lucky. I've always been in the food business. I've been a waitress and, um, I've been a sommelier. I've been a manager. And uh, as I've gone through life, uh, I've been asked to write cookbooks for chefs that have been on public television. I was always a ghostwriter, but I always kept a full-time gig while I did all those things. And as I've sort of progressed in my career, um, I was able to take every little bit that I've learned from all those different aspects of the food business and um working under professional chefs that were very accomplished. Um, I'm now uh, doing freelance work on uh, film and television and mainly with food. So even though sometimes I'm considered a prop stylist, I'm a food stylist and I only work with food. And that's what I've done. And I just finished uh, season seven and eight of Queer Eye, which I'm intensely proud of because of the people and the concept and why we do food, and in particular, working under Anthony Porowski, Emmy Award-winning um, star of Netflix, I've been able to tell those stories using my skill sets, and it's been an amazing ride, and that's what I am doing now and who I am. And that is, and congratulations. I mean, you're, uh, you're, you're part of that and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we, we spoke at length about this, uh, yesterday for about yeah. an hour and, um, you know, really congratulations to, uh, to what you got going on. Thank you. Can I, I just want to, Jeff, yes. you were talking about making sloppy joes, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, if I'm, you know, I'm just going to jump in Carl, like, um, you know, food as a tool to tell a story. Um, that was one of the episodes of season eight of Queer Eye. They came in and they, um, the, the star of that episode, their hero, um, was a gentleman that had been promoted to be coach at a deaf school. And it's a powerful episode. It is very touching. And um, you can watch it on Netflix, of course. But the food side of that was that um, him being um, the head coach and they were trying to revitalize their deaf football team. And that in and of itself is just an amazing thing. But his he grew up eating his dad's sloppy joes, right? And like when you said Worcestershire and yellow mustard and the like tinge of sweetness with this 
you know, beef dish, which is classic kid food, right? Yep. <clears throat> um, but um, they they re, we recreated his dad's dish um, for the concession stand at wow. the high school. And some people might go, yeah, whatever. But the thing was, is that we talked to his dad, but his dad threw it all together, like without measuring. Of course. So Anthony sat down and really worked it out and did the the you know, sort of did the feeling out of that recipe. And through his um, inspiration, we were able to recreate that pretty much dead on. And it it was really amazing. And so food, like when you said that, it touched something in me that really resonated. And that's, that's what I love doing, telling those stories. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we, what we say it a lot on the show here is, Food is a medium that's magical. We all watch movies to escape the reality. But in, in essence, what really brings us in this time travel, if you want to call it that, is food. Because when you bite into something, like when I first tasted the bite, I was like, my God, my dad's sitting right next to me. You know, uh, obviously, he had, a little more brown, he had more brown sugar to it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the key, that I think, that food does. Like if, and that's one of the reasons why we started the Craveable Farmer's Dinner, because we want to, one of the things I think we missed in COVID after we came back from COVID, and as far as, as, far as the restaurant industry as a whole, is that we missed the experiences. We, we missed the industry. We missed the service side of things. I think but the, the biggest thing is that we missed or were missing the memories. And I think that's where we can really, you know, um, jump on board and really start doing again is having these memories and forming memories. Yeah. So, um, so Carl and I were talking yesterday about, you know, the experience of food as a tool to tell a story and, um, you know, chefs are passionate. They go to work every day to tell their inspirational vision, their story of what gets them excited about food. And um, for me being able to, and I'm not a chef, um, you know, but, you know, like by osmosis, I've learned a trick or two over the years. But what really is exciting is being someone's best version of a sous chef and doing exactly what their vision is and setting up the mise en place and having everything ready to go. Because just like in the back of the house, um, when you're ready for service, like everything is just quick and fast in real time. And sort of that's the translation when you're on set is that you knew the vision um, at the beginning of, of the day and you gathered the mise en place and set everything up. So to allow the maestro to come in and make the beautiful music with the food, right? And tell that story. And that has just been so much fun and kind of the, it sort of opens up a whole world of you maybe you loved cooking maybe really um organized but maybe a flair for flavor wasn't you know really your dish so to speak but it sort of opens up a whole new world of possibilities food and film and television and food styling um that you know you still love food but you can still find meaningful ways to work in the food industry and and that's really something that's been inspiring for me Rhonda, tell us about working with uh, Chef Antoni, Antony uh, Poralski. Okay, well, how's that like? Because I mean, it seems you know seems like a, a terrific, uh, just a terrific fellow to work for, and just the way that everything is set up. And ha- can you get into that a little bit? Or 
I can. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to say what I personally feel. And I think working, so, so I'm going to back it up a little bit. So Netflix um, relaunched Queer Eye. I had, well, I'm sort of an OG Queer Eye fan. And um, when they were like, oh, Queer Eye is coming. And, you know, could you maybe help us out? Like we have this job, little job. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know. I've never done that before, but sure, like if if you'll have me, I'd I'd love to come on board. And so you have these producers, showrunners like Jen Lane, who is an award, like she set records with her, um, like her vision of the show, like winning six times an uh, unscripted reality, which is a record in that in that category for an Emmy. Um, they tell stories, and so I when they cast these five gentlemen to be the fab five, they call them. Um, and then food um, was, uh, they cast Anthony Porowski. And um, I would say that just on a human to human level, he's kind and compassionate and connects with people. And that's probably one of his gifts. And not only do the heroes get that treatment, but if you're working um, as a crew member you get treated like that too. And it, it, it's almost like for me, it it was almost like really just being given like this greatest hug and saying, you know what, we're going to, we're in this together and we're going to support you and it's going to just be amazing. And that's how it's been. I mean, I've been lucky enough to go on the road with him when he was uh, promoting his second cookbook. He's a New York Times bestselling author. So the um, expectations are extremely high for delivering an experience to the public, but that's really tempered with like just the nicest, easiest um, person to work with. As somebody he knows exactly what he wants to accomplish, and giving clear directions is just makes everything so wonderful. I, I'm just really grateful and blessed that I have that opportunity. Where did your entrepreneurial spirit come from? I, I, you you mentioned earlier, I mentioned, and you mentioned, um, just you have so many things that you're uh, into. You have a restaurant, and I, I need to know, a follow-up question is, why did you, why a restaurant? I mean, it's such, for people who aren't uh, forward in that business, I would never want to just go open a restaurant. It, that's the craziest, the, to me, that's the craziest thing ever. I know what, what goes into it. But um, so where, where did your entrepreneurial spirit come from? And, and tell us about the restaurant. Okay. So that, that this, you and I, you, the three of us and John, silent John back there are your amazing producer. We're going to raise a glass just right now to the closing of Luna Libre. <laughs> <laughs> that was my restaurant. And I opened it before COVID and we lasted and lasted and lasted. And she literally served me well because it was baptism by fire. I'm, I've always been more of a front of the house person. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, is to give a front of the house, like give a five-star experience in a very affordable neighborhood restaurant. Cause I live full-time in new Orleans and we're a food city and that that'd be another two hour discussion, but and thank I, you I by the way. By the way, speaking <laughs> of, if I, we're talking New Orleans, I gotta thank I gotta thank yes. Sean Rivera, Mister Pooch, for <gasps> hooking the two of us up. I just want to make sure that we we uh, we mention that. that guy, Chef Sean Pooch is amazing. Yes. Wow, like I went over and watched him make chiwis the other day. I mean, <laughs> this guy is just phenomenal. I mean, that is the original Cheetos man, and it. 
is like he's just he's such an all-around great guy he's so talented too um so i opened this restaurant because my mom had the original cheese dip recipe from the lady that invented cheese dip okay what? now okay yes it, what do you mean the lady it, that invented cheese that. dip i, I mean that sounds it. That sounds like I could have yeah. accidentally come across that, uh, you know, in, you know, 1497. You know what I mean? Like, where, where did you no, get 1497? No, no, no. Her name is Margie Donnelly. Her husband's Blackie. They owned a, a restaurant in Rose City, Arkansas, where Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys is from, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll do this food. And people were like, what's your food? And I said, it's Arklatex. It's not Tex-Mex. It's Arklatex. like a grandma. Arklatex food. Wow. Someday I'll revive it. But it that that restaurant, it broke me and it allowed me to like come out of a little cocoon and um, realize that you know I can do anything. And so there's an entrepreneurial spirit. It was great. We had flaming margaritas. We just it was so awesome. But COVID killed a lot of people. And um, I continued, though, doing private parties and catering. I saw I got a catering gig in a few days for that. But um, so I, I love creating things. And, um, and, and I got that from, uh, I, I worked for a German chef um, many years ago in Philadelphia. And he opened a restaurant for the federal government and the and Independence National Historical Park called City Tavern, where basically they created the Declar- Declaration of Independence. And within that restaurant model, we created um, dishes from old patterns that we found. And we had pewter-like tankards cast. And we found the the beer recipe that George Washington had at the New York Public Library. And we took it back to Philadelphia and the people at Dock Street Brewery did that. And I, by working with this classically trained European chef, I learned about a quiet kitchen. I learned about how you professionally run things and then also how you do high concepts. And and that's where I get my spirit from, Walter Stabe. He's like an eight-time, nine-time award-winning Emmy um, food person on public television. And I learned most everything that I know about making that happen from him. You you heard that, right? European chef and a quiet, quiet kitchen. Yeah. kitchen. Yeah. He'll still throw a pan yeah. at you though. <laughs> yeah. Or a knife or a knife. I, I yes. I yep. I could tell you stories, but, um, you know, and there's a difference between somebody pretending to run a European style quiet kitchen and somebody that really does run like the most amazing dining experience. And so I'm so grateful for that because I'm originally from Arkansas. And until I moved to Vail, Colorado to open the Hyatt Regency when I was 21 years old, I never had sushi. So, you know, there have been much, many, many, um, many, many years have passed since then. But, you know, I, I just really, and it kind of makes me a little wispy. I think about some folks that have been so great in the industry to me. I've been very, very lucky. Is there then a roadmap to success or is it uh, dumb luck? I mean, you know, oh, well, what, what is your interpretation? 
Okay, so let's talk about being lucky just real fast. I, I work with this amazing woman in my business now who pretty much shores everything up so I can like run off to New York and do these great vignettes with Better Than Bullion and, and Anthony. And um, without that shoring up, I, I'm, without people like that in my life, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But I said to her, oh, aren't we lucky? And she said, no, you're blessed. And I was like, that's right, because... You can work really, really hard and never be lucky. And the universe, though, can hand you positive vibes. With that being said, you have to be a dreamer. And you have to dream big, like blue sky dreams, right? Like, and set your goals. Because if you want to... If you want to open a restaurant, but you never go look at real estate, you're not even taking a step further. If you want to learn how to cook that sloppy Joe recipe and maybe make Worcestershire from scratch, if you don't pull out like somebody's cookbook and just start pulling the ingredients together, you're never going to do it. You're never going to get anywhere if you don't have dreams and get on it every day. Wake up going, I'm going to do something towards my dream. And it's just, is it luck? Sure. Is it being blessed? Yes. Is it surrounding yourself with the right people and pulling up to work on time being step one? I think that those are just the basic keys to success. So you, you kind of, uh, you, you kind of cut me off here at the knees because what I was going to ask you next is, <laughs> sorry. no, it's well, it's, it, this all kind of coalesces together because I wanted to ask you, ask you what your biggest blessing is right so you know in the big scheme of things you know you've been you've you've been in this industry you've done different aspects of of the food industry um what is what is the is there a singular moment that you can point to as a blessing right and say you know what it mm-hmm. was then that this is this is the path where i'm at or is it just like a you know um just a conglomerate of things happening to you over the years and you know this is kind of you know where you, where you uh, ended up okay that is so deep man thank you <laughs> uh, we don't mess around I, here I mean, on the walk I, and talk podcast I, uh, yeah, I know my gosh you know but like uh you know so i'm going to circle this a little bit you know um i think a lot of people listening that work in the industry would say that they have taken jobs that they were like, I've just got to take this job and been surprised at how much they learned or that, you know, they did that and 10 years down the road, that chef that they were working under became their best friend. But maybe you don't realize it until later on, like maybe things happened around you and you weren't really dialed in at the moment. And then you learn later on that that was like one of the best things that could have ever happened to you. I don't think the best thing that's ever going to happen to me has happened yet. But I I think that every day I'm just sort of looking around going, oh, like you're going to meet Carl and he's going to ask you to get on his radio show. But you're going to just think that five minute call um, ended up being like an hour and a half and you have no idea where that's going to go. I think that my biggest blessing is that I have learned to um, pay attention and um, I've learned that. And so I guess that's my blessing. But, you know, like I, I was in Montreal last year 
And it was a place I always wanted to go. And I ended up being the last tour stop on Anthony Porowski's Let's Do Dinner tour. And he had a sold out show in, and that's in his hometown. And when I was standing um, in the wings uh, watching that go down, I thought, wow, okay, bucket list. Like, I am here. I have put everything out and spent the last five hours making sure that that gentleman out there has what he needs to succeed. And that's, you know, that's what the kitchen staff does every day. Those were the restaurant managers do every day. And when I look back, I go, this is so big for me in my life and I'm waiting for more. And so I would say like, that's my biggest blessing is that there's going to be more. And I just don't know what it is, but I have a smile on my face knowing that whatever it is, it's going to be a great adventure. Just like when you sit down in a restaurant and somebody serves you that Monte Cristo and that first bite is like a blessing and a big adventure, right? Oh, I just oh he had, can testify to that. Yeah, I just had a heavenly bite. Uh, not more than <laughs> There was a lot of ums and ah uh, and... Yeah. Right. Are y'all are y'all did I choke y'all up? <laughs> Do y'all y'all remembering John, your can life? I, can you hit me Kleenex, please, John? Um <laughs> so, but, <laughs> Listen, Rhonda, um, I, first of all, I think that's that's a, a beautiful explanation. And at, in the end, I feel like, um, what is it? It's It hasn't happened to you yet. I think that's profound. Um, and it's really, mm-hmm. the, it's, the, uh, it's the positive energy and the hope factor that drives that, I think is really where, you know, where that, where the weight of the comment comes in. Um, I'll, I'll tell back that up in for a second. And sorry for interrupting. As a chef the ones that are doing out there, the ones that are slinging it and, and you know, might not have the attention on them when they make or perfect a dish, quote unquote, and there's the air quotes, they'll never stop. Mm-hmm. They'll always constantly think I can do better. How can I do it better? And that her, what she just was saying is exactly that I've done this, but now I've got to go for this. Now I've got that. I've got to go for this. And that to, that's a true testament to the work ethic, but the, the, their, because there's no such thing as perfection because everybody has their own interpretation of their own perfection, but that's their, that chef or that person's the ability to go search for what their perfection is. When you can have a can do Mm. spirit, a can do attitude while getting, you know, proverbially, you know, punched in the face over and over again and or, or plates thrown at you. Yes. And you just keep driving forward. That's where the win happens. I mean, you know, so, but I, I want to, before, I don't want to get off on too deep of a branch there. Um, food styling. So it's pretty, yes. so I wish, I only wish Rhonda that you were here in studio so you can kind of see, I know, I I know. <laughs> if you, if you were able to see like what John does when he's, you know, when he's arranging the, uh, the shoot, the dish and, you know, just what he's doing and the, and the meticulous nature uh, of what it takes to actually, you know, do this with the photography and, and the styling of the play. I feel like you guys would, would talk for hours. He doesn't talk at all, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it, you would talk for hours and he would just sit and listen. Um, and, and there would be a lot to share. Uh, or not. <laughs> hey Jeff, do you have a, one of those ginormous tweezers, culinary tweezers? I have sets you- of tweezers. Okay. And so aren't tool- those the most fun things? Like, did you ever think, um, years ago that you would be so like with a big old giant pair of tweezers, like putting a piece of basil on a dish. <laughs> like 
I like I have a I have a set that Anthony gave me that I cherish, you know, like and it's like those are just tweezers. But like, I love them. They're the weirdest thing. And uh, like so many other, you know, little specialty niche culinary things that people, the chefs and food stylists use um, to plate up a food for a photo. But really, don't you think that that photo says something about who you are? And it's really important to like. Um, you know, like set that stage. It's actually like a total palette right there. It's like an artist painting a painting. A hundred percent. I mean, here's the thing we're, we're concentrating on the flavor profile and maybe somewhat of the look of the dish. What I, what happened to me when I got introduced to John is it now became mm-hmm. not only textures, it also became color contrast. It made sure you had XYZ PDQ on that plate. And it wasn't, we shoot not with fake food. We don't do anything because Carl needs to eat. Um, he saves <laughs> himself up. Plus, you have the great vendor giving you this amazing yep. protein to work with. Yeah, like, definitely. you have to do it justice. Peninsula, right? Peninsula is Peninsula, such yeah. a uh, staunch ally of what we're doing, and and we work so great together. And, you know, you want to talk about blessings, that those that's that's them. For yeah, us. definitely. And, and a farmer. Right, you know, like... Go ahead. Right, they, they, they raise, you know, those, those animals, like, they gave it to us like they sacrificed for us and somebody nurtured those animals and then now you're you know you have the bounty of that and and it's sort of it's sort of like um you know you cannot it's got to cross your mind even right down to the end like you can't waste a thing and you can't um you know you can't be slacker with it because um there's a lot that went into that lamb or that cow, um, the beef and every, the chicken, the poultry getting to the point where you're doing your magic to it and think that, yeah, it's important. It's like all these ingredients and what you do because you couldn't do what you do without like the the products from Peninsula. Like it just wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Or the farmers themselves. I mean, the products we get from them Mm -hmm. is, you know, even now both John and I grow um, produce. And so we looked at it and we were talking to them like, yeah, right after we did our event, the 13th of January, I harvest one of my cucumbers and it's still, it's still fantastic today. He's like, look at my pumpkin. It's a month old. It's sitting right there and it's fine. So we see the yep. difference and we know that, you know, when you cultivate your own and you have great products, the end result's going to be fantastic. Um, but getting mm-hmm. to your tweezers things, I know when, tweezers became a a thing and now like some of the chefs out there are like well you're gonna use your fancy schmancy tweezers there's a place for them in different you know uh, restaurants there's i think for me it's an offset spatula is one of the number one things for me when you get something stuck oh yeah it's a great thing to try to unstick it in the pan instead of trying to use a fist spatula or another thing Mm -hmm. that you need to turn over um Tweezers, tw- I use them as tongs now, depending on I have mm-hmm. longer ones. So I can vantage to that. The only time I would use a tweezer, you know, all the time, I think with craveable dinners, when we were setting up something and I wanted to make it look meticulous and a certain way, that's when I'm going to do it. John uses it when there's a certain position or it might be off or like today, <laughs> we were looking at a plate, we're doing this plate and just this bamboo sheet was like this uh, liner on this Chinese plate. Mm-hmm. And he looks over and he goes, it's out. Of, it's out. It's not lined up the right way. And I'm talking maybe a quarter of a hair off 
of the, you know, the thirds. And I looked over, I'm like, God, look at the attention to detail. He just nailed it. And I tell people this all the time. And you can please, now that I have somebody like you, I always tell people <laughs> our shoots go four items. It's four hours to five hours. And by the way, food doesn't move. That's the meticulous nature that John has in it. And, and that's exactly what you do too, is right. How to set things up. That's your job. Yes. Right, part of it. Like explain yes, what you do, like what you go flow. through. And, right. So, so it, it sort of is very organic, um, especially when you work for a talent that is juggling multiple projects at one time. It's not that they aren't a hundred percent focused on the task at hand, like getting in front of the camera, but that once you get in a rhythm and you're repeating, delivering a set that's ready for them to step on and do their magic. So they're prepping their learn. I mean, just like people learn their lines uh, Anthony's learning um, the procedure to make the dish that he's going to make. And with someone that he's also coaching. Um, but what I do is I go in and some, because of time, like if we're making I'm, I'm sorry, carnitas, or puff pastry filled with, you know, little dainty fruits and things. We don't have time to wait for all that to bake. So I'll come in also with finished dishes. And, um, but then we'll set it. And I sort of, and my plan is to do everything left to right. Like you read a book. So all the mise en place is left to right. Um, you know, if I, I have a chef like Anthony that's left-handed, his stuff is set to the left so if, if I'm working with you and you're right-handed, I'll set your stuff to the right. Um, I know that sounds so fiddly, but it, it flows because there are people taking still photos, there are people shooting video, and they have to be able to follow the movement and the handwork. And some of the set, you know, it's all ready to go, and then he'll step on and they might shoot B-roll prior to the hero or the person they're working with on, on Queer Eye, for example. Um, but also like doing a product endorsement work where um, they need just things set in a certain way with like the fresh food surrounding it, like better than bullion stock, for example. So that needs to be set. And, um, and then you have to tweak and do what the client wants. And so therein is a whole another kind of set of parameters, which are really fun because you're delivering what someone asks you to. And in a world where communication can be difficult, it's really a good feeling when a client with an international product walks up and goes, we've nailed it. That's exactly what I wanted. You know, so what it's feels the same. Good? You know it feels real <laughs> oh, good too. God. Being a part of a team that right. won an Emmy, uh, an Emmy. That's what, that's what, oh my God, I'm surrounded by greatness. Oh, I'm just like, I tell you what, I still get, so I watch the episodes when they hit and I, um, fast forward to the food parts. I have to admit that. (laughs) So do I, if I'm, so do I. Okay. I'm just saying, I mean, if I had to be totally honest and you know, I'm only on set for that. I don't get to see the whole thing. I mean, it is an intense amount of work. And um, so I fast forward to see what makes it in and what doesn't. And I'm often surprised that something that we spent so much time on just might not make the cut. Because at the end of the day, it it didn't fit. The, the showrunner and the editors 
chose something else to be part of the story. But um, it's so it's fascinating. But yeah, it's um, you know that's why that that that's why I get to work under people, and I'm still a work in progress because these people are professionals at what they do. And and it was really my first experience in that kind of scenario. I did work on a public television show with a chef named Kevin Belton, and um, but I did all the writing and wrote his cookbook for him. So I wasn't on set. So it was really like exciting and an evolution of my career. You know, it, you, it, 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 there's a running theme here and it, and it comes back to uh, the storytelling as the tool, right. To deliver, you know, the story. I mean, I, I think that, um, I think what you're explaining kind of highlights that perfectly. Yeah, you know, there's I'm, I I think I mentioned this yesterday, Carl. There's a, a food stylist out of Boston named Stephanie Tubin, and she worked on Hulu's series about Julia Child. And I would say that Julia Child is one of the most important figures in the American culinary scene, um, and it, and I would say that the most important female. Um, as, as the American culinary scene and the American housewife sort of came out of the fifties. And we kind of all, if you're a foodie, you kind of know her story and they produced two seasons of that where Stephanie Tubin recreated with her team and it, it didn't get renewed for a third season and the storytelling with food, cause the food, it, you know, Julia Child's a story, but her story is the food story. And, you know, like when, these big companies don't renew those kinds of food um, stories out there for television. It really is something in our industry that we need to clamor around that to get that food story told. And uh, But the work, the dishes, the historical accuracy of the equipment is just, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm nerding out a little bit, but not really that sorry because um, it's, it just is like a step up in the world of food where this kind of production happened. And, and we need to see more of that. We need to see more women in the culinary world represented when there's a, a relevant story to tell. And we need more diversity and we need to tell the story of American food history. And maybe we need just a little bit more of that out there. And you guys are doing your part with this podcast and really reaching out to the people that are making food for us every day. And it's just a, you know, you talk about blessing is just to be here with you today. It's definitely a blessing. And we need to see more Julia Child, more Stephanie Tubin. She's kind of my idol in the food world right now. She's amazing. Well, I just want you to feel comfortable knowing that you can be completely um, foodie geek, you know, geeked out. This is foodie nerd central. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I feel yeah, welcome. Be, feel welcome. Be yourself. Um, be, be, take your inner nerd and just put it in the oven, you know, 350. It's going to come out delish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love I, that. I love that. So, so what do you guys see? I'm curious. What excites you on television right now when you see food um, out there? Like, is there anything that's caught your eye lately that, that you think is, groundbreaking or you think we need to see more of because I know what I want to see more of. And uh, I, I'm just curious what y'all are seeing. Are you too busy in the kitchen, Jeff, that you just don't have time to watch TV? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd love to see somebody come up. That would be an Anthony Bourdain. We need another storyteller. And he was probably one of the greatest storytellers 
about food and have bringing people to a table and, and having discussions. Um, that, that's something, even some of the travel stuff that, um, we see where uh, different chefs are traveling around the country that they're doing and showcasing different parts of it. And I'm not talking about dime, uh, D triple D I'm talking about like sitting down at a table and having a conversation with somebody that immigrated from another country and, you know, had, you know, what was your background? Like I'm reading right now, brother luck, um, which is a uh, James Beard award-winning chef. And he's talking about mental health and I've just got into the book and it's really for me, that's, that's kind of where I'm going with it. But as far as the mm-hmm. food aspect of it, it's, oh man i can't watch cooking competitions it's, it just triggers me yeah, i think some of it's i think some <laughs> yeah. of it is the judges you, know, you look at the judges and they're like well you have licorice and you have to go didn't do that i'm like bro go ahead and you cook it let's see what you come up with in that 18 minutes or whatever <laughs> Clear, clearly you're not going to be on the program it's okay yeah I mean, i'm fine yeah, you're not you don't you're not going to mold in no yeah i get it i don't need to <laughs> yeah it's hard to um I find it very difficult to watch programming now. Um, you know, I'm so me personally, I'm so ultra focused on our content. Like I I just, I don't know if I have the energy to sit down and try to receive, you know, something else that's on TV, you know, or I I just, I I switch to social social media. That's where I go. And I'm looking at like, I follow certain chefs and certain, you know, people that are, that are self-made people that cook. Um, and they mm-hmm. do some fanta- fantastic work. I mean, the guy that does the chocolatier guy, Henri, uh, he just makes me look inept. I just feel like, um, you know, someone that doesn't have an, doesn't need to be in a kitchen because that guy is so talented. But then that's the dessert side of things. There's savory peeps out there. But you didn't see your Monte Cristo. No, not you yet. Know what I mean? like, <laughs> but he's a really great guy. I, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, when I went up to him and had said that he inspires me and he does because some of the things I think about is like, how can I do something that's outside the box that people perceive like the cotton candy we're talking with um, last week with Flossie. That would be fantastic to do bourbon, lardon of bacon, some apparatus holding cotton candy and the cotton candy's mm-hmm. melting into maple and the candies. You see what you're saying is, is we need I to love do that. that. We yes. have to. Let's, we need to get you know the what? ingredients today. Let's go. Let's get to, let's. You gotta do that. I wanna see that. I do too. You know, today. there's a guy, there's, there's, a, there's a young Korean guy that's just fermenting everything he can get his hands on. His name's Johnny. I forgot his last name, so that doesn't help everybody out there. But oh, Johnny, um, that's not common Korea. at all. No, I know. <laughs> but, but he's actually in. Sorry, I know, Carl. It's a, I'm kidding. But he's he just ferments. It's called Xiong in Korean. And he, I mean, if it moves or doesn't move, he will try and ferment it. And some stuff is epic fail. And he has to set stuff up for a long period of time and um, he's great. He's amazing. And, um, I think stuff like that is so interesting to me. Um, where's Johnny located? uh, Is he up in the Northeast? I'm sorry. Say that again. Is he in the Northeast? Like, where does he live? What area of the United States? In Korea. I don't know where, but, but, um, and I'll send you the link, but, um, also like, I love Stanley Tucci. Um, but I do think that we that some, we need somebody like Bourdain. I met Anthony Bourdain many years ago, and uh, Carl, we shared a little story about him. And, um, you know, his storytelling, which is kind of coming full circle, telling a story with food is what gets me excited. And um, 
you know, I, I'm not going to just fan out too much, but like um, Anthony Porowski is launching a show with Nat Geo and Disney um, where they're traveling the world and telling food stories. And so, you know, like um, Eva Longoria did one in Mexico, which was really great. And, um, you know, but it sure would be great if, you know, something would stick so we could, you know, go back to, I mean, nobody will ever be Anthony Bourdain, but the traveling and seeing the different cultures and experiencing the food, I think is something that expands your horizon. You can connect with food and then maybe we would stop fighting so much and disliking. Oh my goodness. You know what, Rhonda? Um, Yes. (laughs) Food is, is um, the conduit, the, the the great neutralizer. And uh, you know what, you know what the, you know what inspires me? People, not necessarily the, the star, right? But just, just people, right? So you look at like, um, I mean, just in here at the, at the, at the table, you know, Jeff, what Jeff does, that's inspiring to me. What John mm-hmm. does is, you know, with the photography, it's inspiring to me. It makes me mm-hmm. want to put the show together, sit down and do all the work. Right. You know, in terms of just a lot of work, it's everyone here has tons of work. You know, Jeff has uh, all sorts of prep leading up to today. John is leading up to today. Plus, he's got the, the you know, post-production stuff that he does, you know, and I'm arranging mm-hmm. all these things, you know, behind the scenes to to, to, to connect. And it's a lot yeah. of work. And, and I don't know that I don't know that most individuals would would understand th- what's involved in this, especially with, with a, such a small team. You know, I was talking to a, I was well, hold on, I was talking to a friend of mine who was just on the Food Network, and um, he, you know, he he actually brought us up to them, and you know, kind of showed mm-hmm. what we were doing, and they're like, oh, that's really, you know, it's really good stuff, and 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 he and he he said to that, he goes, would well, you know how many, uh, you know how big their team is. Uh, and these people have like, you know, 60 people, 80 people on a team and yep. someone's going to get fired. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, he, and, and he tells, he tells them, he's like, well, there's, you know, there's, there are about five people on this team and they were th- that they were God smacked on because they're like, what do you mean? Like they're doing some pretty high quality stuff with just like a handful of people. So that my mm-hmm. inspiration comes from individuals who, who, who are creatives and, and they put their, they put themselves out there for for the sake of creating and you know people are mm-hmm. going to like it not like it whatever but you know here we are we're, do, we're doing the fight and the good fight definitely and and you're a triple threat because you have this podcast then you have the visual and the video and then you deliver the recipe and, and people can access that in print and uh you know through the social media channels that you have and you sort of cover everything and it, it's just a gift like it's not many people are doing the whole full circle thing and it's, it's important work. Um, and as far as like being a connector, food being a connector and, you know, I think the world could use a lot more understanding and empathy and, um, and, and when you go and have a meal with someone that's not from your culture and they may have different um, rituals behind their meal like if you have to go to uh, Shabbat on Friday or you eat dinner with your Muslim friends or you're invited over uh, to a household that might not be that would be untraditional. You you know, it all over food. 
right? And then you might have food that you didn't know. I was just looking at a guy on the internet named Otto Lenghi. He's in Great Britain and he's amazing. I just leave it at that. And they use ingredients that the Western palate isn't really attuned to. And I was so fascinated that they made this eggplant dish with burberry. And I was like, what is that? So I had to look it up and then how am I going to order those berries? Because now I just want to know what that is. And um, then it's from Iran. And so like, I'm like, wow, it's from Iran. Well, now I really got to taste this because I, you know, I've, it's just like another example of we are scared or afraid of other cultures or we have this sort of hate for other people based on certain things in the news, but you can become very dialed in if you taste a culture. And that is another thing I'm, I've, I'm passionate about. And um, I, I just, I just think it, uh, you know, I, I just think it's an interesting thing to talk about when you want to talk about food, you can't leave the cultural significance out. I think one of the things you mentioned before about chefs and being creative and having that palate and being able to cook, I think more times than not, and I mentioned this actually during the first uh, Farmer's Capable Dinner, is if more chefs can cook what they want to cook, they have a passion for, we would have better tasting food around here. I find that the people that are um, from different cultures that are cooking from their culture are cooking with such passion and love. And even Bourdain mentions it, go to somebody's house, they're cooking or even India, Keith Saracen, a buddy of mine says it all the time. When they're, when you go to somebody's home, they're cooking with love because that's the passion they have for inviting you and their guests into their home, but also showcasing where their culture comes from. And there's nothing more like that anywhere that you can find that. Yeah. It's very intimate to share a meal with someone. And I think that we're going to be sharing a meal together soon. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And we're going to get intimate. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I, I think so. Um, so listen, uh, how, Rhonda, how do, how does, uh, how does the, how do we find you? What's your, uh, what's your preferred uh, handle? Oh my gosh. So I'm at, I'm Nola pop city at gmail.com. I don't have I, I don't have a website. Just send me an email. Give me a call. Drive to New Orleans, um, and um, you know we'll go walk around the French Quarter. Four, that's Fat Tuesday like coming up. Fat Tuesday is coming up. All it's right. coming up. I'm going to have a big party at 808 Charters. So come on by, Rhonda. You you're fantastic. We're going to do a lot of stuff together. Thank I can you. I can see it now. I can see it clearly. Stick with me, kids. You're going to go real far. You see, you're going to go real far. <laughs> oh wait, that. you already have an Emmy. Who the hell am I? All right, listen, Rhonda, you're wonderful. Um, John, thank you, Carl. You're very thank welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, John. My Jeff, pleasure. John, you guys are freaking rock stars today. Uh, I just freaking loved that sandwich. <laughs> Peninsula Food Service, as always, you guys are our darling. Thank you kindly, and we are out. Let me tell you about my friends over at Citrus America and their amazing juicing equipment. They're revolutionizing the way you enjoy freshly squeezed juice. They're at the best hotels, restaurants, and markets. Their mission is simple. Develop a unique consumer experience with on-premise juicing. Deliver healthy taste options to clientele and juice more 
faster. It's that easy. Citrus America supplies the highest quality juicing equipment and solutions in the industry. So whether you're a small business owner or a large corporation, Citrus America has the right juicing equipment for you. Find out more at citrusamerica.com. Citrus America. 